Well, guys, welcome to Reload. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Awesome. Good to see all you guys this morning. How many guys are here for the very first time? This is your first Reload breakfast. Raise your hand. Welcome. Let's welcome them. Good to see you around the room. Guys, we have what we call the Reload Challenge. Come back another five weeks, six weeks total, and we've got a special gift for you. You don't want to miss that, so come on back. Uh, Reload is about equipping men to change their world. We don't have to convince anyone, or I don't think anyone has to convince us that our world needs change. That change comes not just in us, but through us. One man, one person, one family at a time. So God's about raising up leaders. And you might not think uh, yourself as a leader, but the thing is, one of the definitions of leadership is influence. And even though you may not think you have influence with many people, hopefully you have influence over one person, that's yourself. And, uh, but the truth is you have influence over many other people, even if it isn't something that you say to somebody, somebody is watching what we're doing. People are more moved by our actions than sometimes our words, right? And so as we live the gospel, as we love, as we just go about what God has called us to do every day of every week, it makes a difference if we live God's principles and we live his way. And that's the challenge to us this morning. We're going to take our regular offering. There's a basket at your table. If you believe in the vision that God has raised up here, I just encourage you to take that opportunity to invest into God's kingdom. Let's pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to sow into your kingdom, to invest God into eternity, making a difference in the lives of uh, people for eternity. And God, we pray that you would multiply this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, what's coming up on Friday? Do you know? Game night. Wild game night. Now, that's not board games. Somebody came last year and they thought, well, it's a board game night. And they said, well, where's the board games? And it goes, well, they're all mounted up on like a mount wall. So uh, they were quite surprised. So I thought that was interesting. I thought they were pulling Eric's uh, leg a little bit that they were looking for games. But uh, yeah, it's an event. This is third annual. And the vision behind it, uh, Mike Cooley, uh, Eric and I, and a few other guys met uh, uh, Phil Cooley um, originally three years ago when we started planning this event. And God has just done amazing things with it. It's just grown every year. And last year, it was just under 4,000 people. Tickets are still available. You can get them at the bookstore. But it's an event for the whole family. It's more than just guys. Um, Pastor Eric over here at uh, table number three has got some tickets if you want to get them this morning. Uh, they're just $7, and that just covers the food costs. But the prizes are amazing. There are some just very generous donors that... Uh, have contributed. I mean, there's a boat, um, fishing boat and motor is, what's the value on that? Like $16,000 is it somewhere? Just over twelve. Well, just over $12,000. So I'm off a little bit, but uh, some amazing prizes, prizes for kids. But it's a family event. Uh, Jimmy Gretzinger is going to be with us again this year. He's here the first year with us, Dan Seaborn last year. But it's an environment where you can invite people that don't normally come to church. It's just a family fun event, can win prizes, can just have lots of fun. And there's always a message, you know, just sharing the love of Christ with people that Jimmy's going to bring. So you don't want to miss that. Invite family, friends, and everybody you can think of, enemies, neighbors, um, whoever. 
Um, it's my privilege this morning to introduce to you our guest speaker this morning. Yago Williams has been part of Reload. Um, he was telling me yesterday, like for seven years, um, been involved with the Conquerors like 10 years, but uh, he is now the new leader of our prison ministry here, leading the team, uh, ministering to people that are incarcerated um, in the area. But would you please welcome Yago Williams as he comes this morning. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Woo. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Like he said, yeah. Um, actually, I've been coming to Res uh, about 10 years. Uh, on Easter would be, will be uh, the 10-year anniversary uh, for that. Um, uh, the rubber met the road two weekends after that, because that's when I started going to reload. That's when I started. Um, <clears throat> up until then, the Bible and all those things, all the scriptures were just uh, words that just were like super glued onto the page. They didn't have a whole lot of relevance to me, and they never had a three-dimensional impact. But once I got here and started seeing how real men bond over the real word of Christ and get to the real heart of real life issues, then we got some real results. So I would like to just give a hand to our men's ministry. Yeah, you know, if you ever want to fix your life, you know, uh, doing the, the uh, pretend Christian walk, it really ain't gonna get it. When you come to these meetings, these, these uh, reload meetings, and you got the garbage can that has all of the life's issues, all your life's sins. You, if you just spray that garbage can with Lysol, you're not gonna fix anything. When you dump that can out onto these tables and sift through it and get to the garbage and let Jesus heal, then we're talking about some, some real anointing power that's gonna affect your life. And it's gonna affect the people around you. That's right. Uh, that was a little tangent. That had absolutely nothing to do with what I wanted to say what? Yeah, if, it, if it spoke to your heart, amen, brother. Amen, brother. All right, all right. What I, what I really wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, the, the title of uh, my message uh, actually came to me upon uh, assuming the position over uh, prison ministry. I was meeting with a friend of mine, and uh, he was so excited over, over uh, what the vision is for the prison ministry. And I was telling him why it was so important to me. I grew up in Washington, D.C., and I'm 39 years old, and when uh, D.C., when I lived in D.C. in high school, in junior high school, D.C. was the murder capital of the country. It went from D.C. to Detroit, and it was like this, this insane hood competition we had for being the hardest city in the country. I don't know why we took pride in that, but we did, and it was, it was horrible. And um, so while I was talking to my friend about prison ministry, um, I was telling him about, you know, because, uh, you know, two weeks after I joined, uh, you know, came to the church, I, I was in men's ministry, and then I met up with the team called the Conquerors, and now I've uh, been still and smacked my head into stacks of concrete to spread the gospel. <laughs> and... Um, we have formed all these partnerships with a lot of different uh, organizations, and one of the organizations is uh, Prison Fellowship, and we do a lot of prisons and a lot of jails 
Um, and uh, through the Conquerors, we've been all over the world, over 32 countries, and we've been to prisons all over the world and seen a lot of things. And, um, and so I'm talking to this friend of mine about prison ministry, and I was like, man, you know, when I was a kid in D.C., I can't tell you how many, how many funerals I went to. I went to funeral after funeral after funeral. And when I moved here to Grand Rapids, when people would get so crushed over these funerals they would go to, I was like, I was like, you're an adult and this is the first funeral you've ever gone to. Well, my first uh, friend to be murdered behind uh, drugs and, and, and street violence happened the year of going from sixth grade to seventh grade. Donnell, he was shot in the head selling coke. That was, that was just a matter of fact for us, you know. It was just something that, that happened, and it, and it was sad. But, you know, we just saw those kind of things. So anyway, I'm talking to my friend, and I'm telling him about, about these funerals I had been to. And uh, I remember one funeral in particular. This is going to sound horrible. I really thought I was in the wrong church. I showed up late, um, and uh, the preacher was, was giving this, <clears throat> this awesome awesome service. I mean, he was just, I mean, the guy in the casket, he was just saying, you know, how awesome he was, how special he was, how he was, all these things. He was just going and going and going. And I really was like looking, I was like, okay, I don't, I don't recognize any of the adults, but I'm looking like for some kids in my class. I'm like, I got to be in the wrong, wrong one because that dude's in hell. Like the, the, the gangbanger he's talking about is in hell. He might be up there talking about this, this uh, you know, trying to make the family feel good or something. I, I don't know. I don't know how, how this all shakes out, but I don't know that he's in heaven right now. I don't know that. I, I only been to two funerals where I felt that the, uh, the, the preacher was, was, was really feeling what he was saying, and it was... Um, this 11-year-old girl, y'all, oh, it just kills me. Um, she, she passed away, my, my, uh, one of my best friends. It was his cousin. Um, she was born with AIDS, and she, she died at 11 years old. And um, so I've been to all of these funerals, and if you go to enough funerals, you really do get to see certain pastors enough time, even though you don't go to that church or nothing, but you just, you know, I don't know if it's a circuit or how it was working at the time. But anyway, so we're at this funeral, and... Um, he was, he, was, he, was, he was torn up over it, and he, he gave, you know, it was, it was nice at the church, and then we went out to the uh, graveyard where we, where we put it down, and, and he was so crushed what was happening to our youth that he stopped the funeral and just talked about the importance of Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. And he said that he has buried too many kids and not knowing if they're in heaven or not, and he couldn't live with it anymore. So he did a call to salvation right there, right there. And I wasn't a Christian, but I was like, that's real. That's real. This, this dude is serious. People got saved that day. We did bury that, that, that uh, girl, and it was very unfortunate. But um, people got saved. And I was uh, talking to my friend, and I was so, so torn up over this whole thing that um, I was telling him about how many times we've gone to visit our friends or our loved ones or our neighbors and stood in graveyards and stared at these headstones. And these headstones have question marks on them because we don't know where they are. We don't know. I hope upon hope 
that all of my friends in their last dying breath, like the guy on the cross right next to Jesus, you know, somebody was like, oh, you know, if, if heaven is going to be full of places with people that killed people, you know, full of, if heaven's going to be full of, uh, is a place full of people that killed people and did all these heinous things, I don't want to go there, you know, you know, because you got to be saved, you got to be preaching, you got to be living, you got to be doing all these things. And I was like, well, I don't know, because the, the scripture says to me that Jesus was on the cross, and the dude next to him said, remember my face. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we know what scripture that is. Did that dude have any time to preach the gospel? No. Game was over. Did he have any time to win somebody to the Lord? Did he have any time to disciple somebody? No. Jesus said, I'll remember your face today. And so when I'm looking at these, these headstones and some very dear friends of mine, I don't want to have that question mark in my head anymore. Now, I don't live in D.C. <clears throat> I'm here in Michigan. I wish I could do what I'm doing here or there, but I can't. And so what I was thinking about when uh, Pastor Bernie and um, Mike asked me about this uh, prison ministry, it was like, it was like dropping a, a critically wounded deer in a tank full of piranhas. I was like, yep, absolutely, let's go, let's do this. Because in prison, people are so forgotten, they feel so forgotten. Out of sight, out of mind. Small tangent, I'm going to try to make this one quick. I used to be a nightclub bouncer at the intersection for a number of years, and uh, I remember one night, um, <clears throat> Jose and a bunch of my Mexican friends all came in at once, and I was like, I was like, whoa, like, like everybody came in at once. So I was like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing? They was like, yeah, yeah, Jose's going to jail tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. We're going to live it up. And I was like, all right. <laughs> all right, then. But again, this is BC Dave's, guys. I'm not saved, not living for the Lord. So what did I do? Hey, a couple drinks for that guy. I got him. Jose goes off to jail. Two years pass. I don't think about it at all until Jose comes and the whole crew come back into the bar. And I'm like, hey, Jose, how you doing? Give him a high five and a hug. And he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, hey, man, where you been? He's like, dude, I just got out of jail. And I'm like, okay, but you can't hang out with known felons. All of our boys are known felons. <laughs> Isn't this the crew that you got in trouble with? Like, why are you doing this? They're forgotten. I hadn't seen them, I forgot about them. And our men and women in prisons are forgotten. And how many of them are gonna go to their graves and then their families are gonna get the phone call, hey, so-and-so is not with us anymore. And now that family visits the graveyard and they see that headstone and there's a question mark there. The scripture that really dug into this for me was uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31. It's a story about the rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus, when they both die, okay, Lazarus was, was, was a beggar. He had sores all over him. I was thinking about reading the whole thing, but um, 
I'm not. But it says that even, even the dogs licked his sores. You know, he just wanted, you know, crumbs from the table of the rich man. You know, all of these things, you know, he was, he was really, really uh, hurting. And he was sick. He was ill. He was homeless. He was all these things just, just at the gate begging. And uh, the rich man and, La- and Lazarus, one day, they passed. They died. Well, Lazarus went on to rest by Abraham's side. And the scripture says that he, the rich man, went to Hades. It said, uh, starting in 24, the rich man, so he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I am in anguish in this fire. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you, re- you received good things, and Lazarus likewise sees, received bad things. Now he is comforted, and you are in anguish. Now the image is, I'm standing at this headstone, and my friend is down there begging for mercy. He's begging for mercy. I don't know that that's going on. I don't know if it's going on. But it can be. It certainly can be. Um, so it's like, where are they? Are they in hell or are they not? So my passion was when I joined the conquerors to make sure that the gospel got preached so that no one would have to wrestle with that question anymore. No one would have to wrestle with that question anymore. No, are you saved? Are you not saved? Are you standing with Jesus? Are you not standing with Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Or do you just have, you know, what we call it, fire insurance? You know, when, you're, when you rent an apartment, the landlord, you got to clear it with him if you're going to paint these walls. You want to you change some, some light fixtures? You need to clear it with the landlord. Because the landlord has lordship over that apartment. You don't just live there. He can get rid of you. You might have a leash, you might go to court, whatever. But he's the landlord. So the decisions that you make when Jesus is the Lord of your life, does he have lordship over the things you do? Does he call the shots? Do you obey his commands? Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? So Acts 11, 1 through 18, it's pretty powerful. In this one, Peter was getting questioned. He was getting questioned by the circumcised people because he was hanging out with uncircumcised people. So check out that whole one. It's a, it's, it's, it's a doozy. It's nice. I like it. Um, let me see. Is it a... Peter was called to a house by a man who had sent his cousins to go get Peter. And because Peter came and he gave them the word, the whole family got saved. 
The whole family got saved. Now, beforehand, Peter was being questioned about this. Like, what are you doing hanging out with uncircumcised people? You know, circumcision was an outward uh, demonstration of the promise that you made with Jesus. Uh, God, you're going to be a whole, holy, live holy, be for God, and those kinds of things. We are the people who are circumcised. You're hanging out with these people. You're staying with their houses. You're, you're eating their food. Explain yourself. Well, Peter did. He explained that he heard the word of the Lord, that he saw the vision from the Lord, that he was to go, uh, go to this town, that he was supposed to uh, be with these people. And it was confirmed by another guy who had Peter come to his house because he sent his cousins and them to come get him. And the whole house got saved. And when Peter explained to them what the Lord had done and how if the Lord gave us these gifts, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles, that he needed to be about his father's business. And after he explained himself, they didn't have any more questions. Now us as Christians, we're the spiritually circumcised. It was, uh, I remember doing a prison and being so amped up, so excited. I had, uh, you know, when you are a nightclub bouncer, and you uh, get into a tussle, if you will, once or twice, maybe three times. And then you get saved, and then you end up in a ministry that's super evangelistic, and then you end up out of jail, Kent County. Chances are you might run into a couple guys you danced with. <laughs> And I remember, I remember we were doing, uh, Greg Molchan uh, was our team co-captain at the time. And uh, I remember going to Kent County and, and we, were, we were doing this, uh, this setup. And uh, we were setting up all the chairs and stuff. I was like, Greg, have you ever run into guys that you, that you were, uh, weren't so friendly with <laughs> in your BC days? He's like, oh, it happens once or twice. Let me tell you something. Once or twice, it didn't happen for me. Because when I went in, every time somebody was sitting in that I've uh, exchanged pleasantries with, I know that they're recording, so I gotta be, <laughs> gotta careful. <laughs> But, the, it, but it, just goes back to the, it just goes back to the word. You know, the Bible says that uh, we shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when I was uh, given, given the word and all those kinds of things, uh, anytime I thought that this group might think I'm exaggerating how these fights or, you know, the drug dealing and drinking and all that, oh, you can just ask Mark Garner. He's sitting right there. And my man was... <laughs> but we... Uh, <laughs> But we had some BC, that, those some BC days, you know, we, we reformed, reformed men of Christ now. But, uh, but yeah, and, and so it gave my heart pleasure to know that when I got out of those prisons, uh, out of those events, people got saved. Not only did people get saved, but former enemies got saved. Yes. Former enemies. Yes. Guys that will walk in, like when, you, when you're dealing with, uh, with a, a lot of different uh, prisoners and prisoners and all those kind of things, sometimes you deal with some, some pretty um, strong alpha males. Uh, pretty outgoing alpha males. And if 
I'm locked up doing life, and you're locked up doing life, and we're both headed to this ministry uh, deal, chances are I am definitely not planning on crying in front of you. And when you're giving a message to some truly broken men and women who are in their Jonah moment, you know, God has a plan for every last one of our lives. He has something specific that he wants us to do. He's designed us specifically to carry something out. We're supposed to be about our father's business. We're supposed to be loving our neighbor. We're supposed to be blessing people. We're supposed to be praying for people. We're supposed to be meeting their needs. We're supposed to be feeding the home, uh, feed, feeding the uh, poor. We're supposed to be loving everybody. Are we doing any of those things? These people probably made a couple decisions that you and I have made that we haven't gotten caught for. That's right. Yeah, get quiet on that one. <laughs> so they're in their Jonah moment. And they're sitting in front of us. And we're telling them about the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, who went on the cross and took all our shame, all our sin. And he loves you, and he's not done with you. To see these kind of alphas break and shatter and tears just flow out of them. To see the Holy Spirit just confirm his word. What does it say? I will take the heart of stone and give you one of flesh. I will take the initiatives and you will obey my statutes. To see that happen, you know there's no games. You know there's no games. They are not going to put on a front for you. When they show up, they are hungry for the word. They are hungry for answers. They are hungry for healing. And you see a man sitting with tattoos on his face just shatter because the Holy Spirit done fell on him. What does that do to you? So what's Pastor Tom do? <clears throat> What's Pastor Bernie do? What's Pastor Dwayne do? And all the other pastors. I know they're recording this. Don't get offended, guys. I look at church as a home improvement place. I really do. I, I really do. You know, I did, the, did the, the pretend Christian thing for a long time. Uh, just go to church, listen to a word, and get out of there. But once I got saved, everything changed. Once I came to men's ministry, everything changed. I started looking at it different. God says that uh, he who builds his house on the sand, you know, sorry, man, storm's coming. You're not going to be uh, standing very long. He who builds his home on the rock, you'll be all right. Your home is your life. Your home is the life that you've built, that Jesus built. He's designed for you. So I look at church as a home improvement place. I'm looking to build a home. But I want to build it the way God wants it to look. Because I know that if it's built his way, it's going to stand. We leave out of church with these tools to help other people build their homes. I mean, it's right there in the Word. If you don't believe me, then uh, you might want to check out Luke 10. Jesus sent out the 72. I know we talk a lot about the apostles and, and the disciples and all that. It says here he sent out the 72. Not only did he send out the 72, but they came back super excited. 
The 72 came back and verse 17 says, Then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to, your, to us in your name. <sighs> Gassed up. Jesus just, you just got the download of all downloads from the king of all kings. Sent you out two by two. You're praying for people. People getting slain in the spirit, getting bondages broken off, spiritual chains destroyed. People getting saved. How can you not be excited? How can you not be excited? You're erasing those question marks. You're erasing those question marks. And then they come back to Jesus, and they're super excited. Jesus, it was a home run all day. I was on fire. I was anointed. It was, yeah. And then Jesus says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in spirits that submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Ooh, that just sucked the wind right out of your sails. Don't get gassed up on your preaching. Be excited that you are saved. Be excited that your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. That's what we need to be excited about. Yeah, it's nice that you went in there, but guess what? That word you gave was anointed. That was all the Lord. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. You can be thanked for all of your good deeds. That's nice. But where's your name written? When you go out into your neighborhoods, into your friends, into your workplace, where's their name written? If you, if you were to know that somebody you worked with was to pass away today, would you show up to the funeral and feel guilty because the family knows that you're a Christian and they're probably, you're going to have a, a, a wild cousin that might come up to you and be like, did you ever share Jesus with him? I'm not really into the Christian thing, but you know this kind of thing brings it home. You know he's he's dead now. You know, you know I know that you're a Christian, right? You go to Res. Was he saved? That'd be hard, hard. Rejoice because of where your name is written. That's why we do it. So my cousin, my my my. Uh, Sister-in-law, I know she meant well. I come off gassed up over this. People got saved, people got saved, blah, blah, blah. You know, prisons that went off, you know, this and that. I'm so excited. And then, uh, so she hit me in the Facebook inbox. Didn't want to uh, start an argument. People get all excited. She's like, don't you, don't you feel like you're wasting your time? You know, people get religious when they go to jail. It's the first book they pick up, but it's the first book they put down when they get out. And I thought about that, and I was like, no, I don't think I'm wasting my time at all. Whatever they do with the, with the word after that, that's, that's up to them and God. But, but aside from that, why would I want to pass up on the chance to possibly inspire the next Billy Graham? You know what I'm saying? That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. You know, when, um, you know, all of us are racing the clock. 
I, uh, thanks to all of my uh, mentors and, and, and you know, school assemblies when I was in Washington, D.C., I never planned on living past 18 years old. The statistic was 18-year-old uh, black man, you will end up dead or in prison. So I'm 39 now. I wasn't planning for this. I should probably start seeing about retirement and stuff. <laughs> like 20 years longer than I was planning on living. <laughs> And I thank God every single day, every single day. Every day I wake up, I thank God. Um, every time my feet hits the floor, I'm excited to be able to, to possibly be the last uh, voice to give somebody a chance to hear the word of God because, um, you know, the Bible talks about how there's a time to, to sow the seed, to water the seed, and God gives the increase. So whatever point in life somebody is at when I meet them, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be able to be that thing that Jesus has called me to be in their life for that moment. Um, so it is a very passionate uh, ministry that we have for, for, uh, for prisons. And if you would just search your heart, ask God if he would have you come in and preach the word to some people who otherwise their families are going to be standing over their graves with a question mark. If you partner with us, we will be erasing some of those question marks. Thank you, gentlemen. Amen. Thanks, Yago. Um, I mentioned uh, Friday night, um, that's the big party. You know, when the party's over, people go home. Well, we need some help on Saturday morning to clean up from the party um, on Friday, on Saturday morning. But uh, Mike, would you just raise your hand there? Mike Cooley is leading the volunteer team, and he could use some help for, uh, from some strong men from some men from this group here to help. So would you connect with Mike right after we close this morning? Will there be donuts? I think we can bring some Marge's donuts. Donuts. Mark, did you hear that? There'll be donuts. Guys, let's stand together as we close this morning. You know, the word tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. But, you know, before he left this earth, he says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. That city, You're a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. So, guys, remember, let's take hold of that, that Jesus in us, the hope of glory, um, resides within, within us. And his light's in us. We can share it with our world. So be a blessing as you go today and throughout this week and throughout this month. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. You won't be hidden. That light that's on the inside of you cannot be hidden. So share your light with the people around you. We'll see you next week. You don't want to miss it. We're going to do table discussion next week, next Tuesday. God bless you. Have a great week. Yago. Yago has some uh, business cards. If anybody's interested in prison ministry and helping in that area, Come up and see him.